0: Genizens of the night, welcome to another episode of the macabre, the terrifying. Broadcasting live from the side of a country road, not on any maps, I will be your guide through the witching hours. Tonight, we'll hear the story of a man working at a logging company who will heed his co-worker's warnings a bit more closely after tonight? There are more than enough troubles one could run into while driving along a country road: washouts, downed trees, hairpin turns, no cell service. And now, this. This story is called. Something ran in front of my truck late one night. I barely escaped with my life. And was written by J.L. Goodwin, 1990. I work for a logging company that sits far out in the boonies surrounded by at least 15 to 17 miles of forest in all directions. The nearest town, which is the one I live in, is roughly 18 miles away from it. I've worked there for the last eight years, but recently, with inflation beginning to ravage my savings account as prices for everything from rent to gas have shot through the roof, I've volunteered for late-night shifts in order to make as much overtime pay as I'm allowed to. I always heard from some of the guys working the night shifts that the woods, as well as the drive out of them at two or three in the morning, take on a far darker and almost sinister ambience. But truth be told, I always wrote their words off as simply being frightened, something that I thought was being stupid for grown men from their 20s to 50s to still have. After all, It was like a grown man still needing a nightlight in their bedroom, as if they were still afraid of the boogeyman in the closet. And so, I laughed it off. Until one night. One I wish I could forget, but never will be able to. I just finished my shift for the night, at just after 2 a.m., having spent the last seven hours of overtime allowed for the pay period bathed in the harsh white spotlights as I used the forklift to move boards which had just finished being sliced in the saw room to a waiting trailer outside, which would be hooked up to an 18-wheeler and hauled away later in the morning. Parking the forklift back in its bay, I hopped out of it and strode into the break room where a few of the remaining men on shift, along with one of the two security guards, sat on the two ratty couches watching what looked like an old 50s monster movie on the ancient TV hooked up to an equally ancient VCR. Grabbing my punch ticket out of its slot, I jammed it into the clock, hearing the familiar clunk as it verified my end of shift. "'You done for the night, Robbins?' Barry, a big burly man with a thick beard, asked, looking away from the movie. "'Wanna stay for a little while longer and join us?' We're watching The Monster That Challenged the World. He gestured at the screen. I shook my head. Thanks, Bear, but not tonight. I'm honestly wiped out, and all I want to do is go home, grab a quick bite to eat, and crash. I checked my watch. I'm not even going to get back to town until close to 3.30 or 4 in the morning as it is. He nodded and turned back to the movie raising a hand to wave me farewell, but another of the workers, Damon, looked up at my words. I was surprised to see a look of apprehension had filled his face. Um, did you just say you won't get home until almost four? He asked tentatively. Yeah, with the long-ass winding road through the woods, it's going to be an hour or two. I tilted my head at him. Why? Damon shared a look with a few of the guys he shared the couch with, who seemed to wear the same expression on their faces. I repeated my question to him. After a long pause, he answered Look, Mike, maybe it'd be better if you stayed here for a little while longer. You know, crash on the couch with us, have a beer and some pretzels, and watch the movie. At least until after 3 a.m.'s passed. A mix of confusion and slight annoyance wafted through me. I already said I just wanted to go home and go to bed. Damon's a good guy, but I swear he's hard of hearing sometimes. Using the last of my patience, though, I decided to indulge him. And why exactly is that? I asked. Another look was shared between the men. Spencer, the dude to Damon's right... Spoke up. Look, Mike, I know you don't exactly believe in, well, most things, but I can't in good conscience let you walk out the door without warning you. None of us can. Barry let out an exasperated groan. For God's sake, Spencer, enough with the superstitious crap, he growled. The realization washed over me as well, and I rolled my eyes. Freaking brilliant. Another spook story of theirs that's got their jimmies in a rustle. Both Spencer and Damon shot a glare at Barry. You can mock us all you want to, Bear, but there is something out there. Something that wanders the woods in the late hours of the night. Something that isn't natural. The last tendrils of patience had snapped, replaced by exasperation of my own. Dude! There is nothing out there besides regular forest animals, I said, willing my voice to stay calm. Damon stood up, getting in the way of the TV. Barry and a few of the others mumbled for him to move, but he ignored them. Was it regular forest animals that ripped that trucker out of his rig that night twelve years ago? Was it regular forest animals that, for whatever reason, busted into the old mannequin factory and didn't break anything, but took some of the dummies? His voice rose a few octaves. Was it regular animals that made that entire family disappear while camping three years ago, leaving behind a tent that looked like Jason Voorhees had taken a machete to it? Was... He was thankfully cut off by Barry, who'd stood up and got in Damon's face. "'Enough!' he yelled, his deep, booming voice almost seeming to rattle the break room's windows. The smaller man immediately went silent. The shift manager took a deep breath, then spoke through what sounded like gritted teeth. "'Enough with the crap, Montclair!' You do that again, and I will be personally speaking to HR and recommending your termination. Along with the rest of you that have drunk the Kool-Aid about it. We've dealt with the stories for months. we put up with it. Not anymore. He narrowed his eyes. Got it? After a few tense moments, Damon nodded, turning and sitting back down, looking straight ahead at the screen He looked beyond pissed. Tough. Barry turned and motioned for me to go. Go ahead, Robbins. Have a good night and drive safe. And with that, he too sat back down to watch the movie. Grabbing my flannel jacket and phone out of my locker, I left the break room without looking back. The chilly autumn air smashed into my face, as I pushed open the metal door to the outside, the sounds of the surrounding forest filling the air. I could hear crickets or cicadas chirping away in the grass nearby. An owl hooted a ways away in the trees, while what sounded like an elk let out its call. And far in the distance, I heard what sounded like a mountain lion snarl. I stopped for a second, drinking in the peaceful ambience as I attempted to calm down. Dude, that is such crap. I'm sick of so many people still being gullible enough to believe in the thing that goes bump in the night. What are we, still in elementary school? I let out a deep breath. Just brush it off, man, I muttered to myself. My words made me feel somewhat better, and I began walking towards the makeshift parking lot at the far edge of the property. My truck, a dark green International Scout, sat in the middle of the tiny line of cars and trucks remaining. Unlocking the door and climbing inside, I gave my head a small shake, then slid the key into the ignition. The V8 rumbled to life with a growl, and I flicked on the headlights before shoving the gear stick into first, and pulling out of the complex. Everyone always called it a highway, but in reality it was little more than a narrow two-lane road that joined the two communities on either side of it. The branches of the pine and fir trees overlapped overhead, blocking out almost all of the moonlight that tried to stream down from the heavens. Almost as if they're trying to reach down and suffocate anything below them. I shook my head. Not the moment for analogies, man, I muttered, then flipped open the center console. Pulling out an old eight-track tape, I slid it into the radio and turned up the volume. The sound of guitars began, followed by singing as seals and crofts kicked into summer breeze. I leaned back into my seat, shifting the truck into fourth gear and letting the empty road and song empty my mind of the recent altercation. For the next 45 minutes I drove, the only sounds heard being the rumble of the engine, the hum of the off-road tires on the pavement, and the music drifting out from the speakers. The tape had just ended, and I was fumbling in my center console for a new one when something flashed across the road, momentarily bathing itself in the headlights. I looked up just in time to see it scamper across the road less than eight feet from my front bumper. I let out an involuntary yell. Shoot! I slammed my feet onto the clutch and brake pedals. The rear tires locked up, and the screeching of the tires filled my ears. The truck fishtailed for a moment, then came to a stop near the grassy shoulder. I sat bolt upright in my seat for a few seconds, My breathing came in quick, ragged gasps, and I felt my heart thundering in my chest as I attempted to calm myself. Eventually, my heartbeat slowed and my mind kicked into gear. What in the hell was that? Then another thought. I didn't hit it, did I? I let out a sigh, hoping I hadn't. Repairing a 51-year-old truck when it came to body panels was not cheap in the least bit. Putting the gear shift into neutral, I hit first the floor-mounted dimmer switch, then the parking brake. The edge of the road and forest beyond lit up in the high beams, and grabbing a flashlight from the glove box, I kicked open the driver's door and hopped out into the night. Even with my jacket on, The air was chilly, chillier than it had been at the logging mill. Flicking on the light, I walked around to the front of the truck and aimed it at the grill. Oh, thank God. I muttered, letting out a breath I hadn't realized I'd been holding in, as I saw there was no damage. Turning away, I looked out into the night. Whatever it had been, it seemed as though it were long gone by now. I couldn't hear the noise of anything crashing away in the undergrowth, a telltale sign of an animal still nearby. That's when I noticed something. I could hear the rumble of the truck's engine just behind me. I could hear the faint whistle of the wind whipping through the maze of trees that surrounded the road. Off to my right, I could even faintly hear the splash of the creek that followed the road through the woods. But I couldn't hear anything else. No animals, be they insects, birds, or larger, let out any sound. It was completely silent. An involuntary chill ran up my spine, and I shivered. I've lived out near the woods my entire life, and never before or since have I ever heard the forest so silent. It wasn't right. It was unnatural. Another chill ran up my spine, and I looked around, panning the flashlight beam to either side of the dark road. I just decided on getting back in my truck when the feeling washed over me. And alone on a two-lane road with no streetlights in the middle of nowhere, it wasn't a welcome feeling. It was the sensation of being watched, of being observed. I felt my pulse begin to quicken again, as I realized just how vulnerable I was out here. I did keep a pistol in the center console, just in case I ever needed it, but I'd left it in the truck. A decision I began to regret. Okay, time to get back in the truck. Move your ass, man. I said softly to myself. The feeling of being watched was getting stronger by the second, and my mind flashed to the scream of the mountain lion I'd heard earlier. To a big cat, I would be easy pickings out here. My decision made. I finally forced myself to turn around and begin walking back to the open driver's door. That's when one of the worst feelings I've ever had crashed into me. It was what I can only describe as the sensation that prey feels when a predator is rapidly bearing down on it. I heard no sounds of an approaching animal, but the feeling, which morphed into a sort of panic, grew stronger than I thought possible. I broke first into a jog, then a run. I was in a full sprint by the time I reached the open door, and it felt like whatever was pursuing me was literally right on my heels. Letting out a strangled scream, I flew into the truck, slamming the door shut behind me and jamming down on the lock button. I fumbled into the center console, my hands gripping my pistol. Yanking myself upright, I turned and aimed my gun through the closed window, nothing. There was nothing beyond the glass staring back at me. Nothing immediately visible around the truck at all. Craning my neck, I couldn't see anything down near the ground either. I grabbed the flashlight from the floor of the truck and, keeping the gun in my free hand, aimed it at the woods to either side. Nothing there either. After a moment, I let out a loud whoosh of my breath and reclined back into the seat. Then I began to laugh softly to myself. You freaking wuss. Are you really letting Damon and Spencer's spook story get to you, (laughs) seriously? Still laughing, I clicked off the flashlight, then stuck the gun back in the center console. Replacing the flashlight in the glove box, I shook my head as I reached for my seatbelt. I thought you were better than this, dude. It's nothing more than an animal crossing the road. A bear or deer or elk or something. Nothing more. I glanced at the glow in the dark face of my watch. 2.53 a.m. I let out another sigh, then turned off the high beams and parking brake before pulling the truck back onto the road. Choosing to eschew grabbing another tape out of the center console, I instead tuned the radio to the nearest station to occupy my time. The smooth, silky sound of a man conducting the late night local farm report fell from the speakers, and I began to relax again as I listened to the price of beef and chicken being listed. After about 20 minutes, all tension had left my body. I'll be out of the woods and pulling back into my driveway in less than half an hour, I thought. It was reassuring, and I let out another soft laugh. Can't wait to tell Barry about this tomorrow night, especially after that whole little fiasco back there. Focusing again on the road, I leaned down and turned the volume up on the radio a little. The farm report had ended, and the man was now giving us the weather forecast for the next week. Leaning back into the seat again, my eyes followed the headlights as they guided me around each dark bend. What felt like another ten minutes passed, and I began to blink my eyelids more than usual. Sleepiness was beginning to intrude itself on me quicker than I'd anticipated, and it was worrying, to say the least. I hadn't drank any coffee or soda in the last few hours— and the last thing I wanted to do was fall asleep at the wheel and wrap myself around a tree. I grimaced at the mental image of my scout being peeled off a thick pine tree, my mangled corpse along with it. All right, guess we're doing this then, I muttered, and reached into the center console for what I knew was there. I came up with a lighter and a battered pack of Marlboros, I'd almost completely quit smoking after my uncle had died of cancer three years ago, but I'd held on to one final pack for if I ever got stressed enough or simply needed to pick me up. Two lone cigarettes peered out at me from the pack. I pulled one out, glancing at the final remaining one inside the pack as I crooked it into my mouth. And then there was one final little Indian remaining... I muttered, remembering the old story I'd been taught as a kid. Pushing in the truck's cigarette lighter, I again returned my full focus to the road as I waited for it to heat up. The sound of the man's voice on the radio had given way to soft static. Great. I'm in a damn dead zone. I snapped the radio off and listened to the truck's engine instead. My mind again drifted back to my near miss, miles back, and I couldn't help but feel another chill as I remembered the overwhelming feeling which had chased me back to my truck. It was interrupted as the popping sound of the cigarette lighter came, signaling it was ready. I pulled it out and pushed the red-hot tip to the end of the smoke for a moment before replacing it in its socket and puffing out a cloud of smoke. Get a freaking grip, Mike. It's nothing more than an animal. You're okay. You're gonna be... My eyes widened about as far as they could possibly go as I rounded a particularly sharp bend in the road, the shape right in the middle catching the glare of my lights. Oh my God! I screamed, slamming on my brakes for the second time that night. The truck fishtailed, coming to a stop less than 15 feet from the shape. My teeth were gripping the cigarette so hard, I thought I was about to bite through it. But unlike the first time I'd come screeching to a halt, whatever was in the road didn't move. It still lay there, and for a second it didn't register what I was seeing. I saw a lump. I saw black. I saw yellow. Wait a minute. That shade of yellow isn't natural. What the... I leaned forward, feeling my heart suddenly grow heavy in my chest as I realized what I was seeing. That's a person. Oh, oh hell. I leaned back in my seat, putting a hand over my mouth as the gravity of the situation slammed home. Someone, either a hiker or somebody else, had been injured. By what, God only knew and they'd either come to rest in the middle of the road, or had dragged themselves onto it to be seen. It was just a miracle that I, doing close to 45 miles an hour, had been able to stop in time before hitting them. I immediately flicked on my high beams, as well as the hazards to be seen by anyone else who might be on the road this late at night. Pushing the parking brake on, I unbuckled myself, and began to reach for the door before stopping. Somewhere deep in my memory, something I'd seen on YouTube was working its way to the surface. It was a video of a similar circumstance, someone driving on an empty street late at night when they'd come across a body in the middle of the road. They'd stopped to investigate But before they'd gotten out of the car, dozens of people had swarmed through the woods towards the vehicle. They'd managed to get away, but only just. This situation almost felt a little too much like that. It was almost too convenient, too well placed. Every fiber of my being was telling me to put the truck back into gear, drive around the figure, and floor it the hell out of the woods. Just call the cops when I got to town. But the small voice in the back of my head, my conscience, was whispering to me as well. If he's really hurt and you leave him to die, you will never forgive yourself and you know that. I tried arguing with myself, but it persisted. I hated how it was right. Shoot, Shoot, I hissed, my decision made but there was no way in hell that I was going out unarmed. If it was, in fact, a setup, the people responsible would have to dodge quite a few forty-five caliber rounds coming their way. Reaching into the center console, I again pulled out the pistol, along with a spare magazine that I tucked into the pocket of my jeans. Grabbing the flashlight, I slowly unlocked the driver's door and pushed it open. The sounds of the woods immediately flooded into the interior, but I still wasn't taking any chances. Every fiber of my being was on high alert, and I wasn't so much as stepping out of my truck without being prepared. My truck sits up on about a four or five inch lift kit, which leaves a large amount of clearance between the undercarriage and the ground. Enough for a person to quickly scoot underneath and hide. The thought turned over in my head again, and I flicked on the flashlight. Gripping both it and the pistol in slightly sweaty hands, I tensed my body, then simply dropped out onto the pavement. I dropped to one knee in a crouch, snapping both the gun and light up to aim underneath the vehicle. To my relief, Nobody lurked there. No eyes glared back at me. Ducking my head slightly, I aimed out from underneath the truck at the woods on the opposite side. Still nothing. Taking a deep breath, I stood up slowly, reaching out and slowly closing the driver's door shut behind me. I didn't want anyone getting in behind me and hiding in the back seat. Taking a few steps forward, I moved to the front of the truck, then moved so I was standing directly between the twin headlight beams. I stood there for a moment, listening hard. The sounds of the woods continued, providing me a little comfort. However, I noted with a small twinge of uneasiness that a bit of a thick mist was seeping in from the surrounding woods. It was already beginning to creep across the road, the white tendrils looking like fingers reaching out to ensnare anything in its path. Swallowing slightly, and keeping the pistol and light trained out ahead of me, I slowly began to walk forward, attempting to keep my boots from rapping too loudly against the pavement. I kept myself between the headlights as I approached the figure lying in the road. I could see now that it seemed to be someone dressed in a tracksuit, as though they'd been jogging when whatever had happened to them had happened. But that made no sense. It was the middle of the night. No person with common sense would jog on a road with no lights this late, no matter how dedicated they were. A pit was forming in my stomach, and a feeling began to settle over me, but it was one I pushed away. But I kept moving my flashlight to either side of the road, my finger tightening slightly around the trigger. As I came within five feet of the figure, I saw they were laying face down. A mop of brown hair concealed their features. Swallowing a little harder, I took the final few steps until I stood next to it. I knelt down, reaching out with the hand that held the light and tapping the figure on the shoulder. Hey, I whispered, not daring to raise my voice any louder. There was no response. I shook the figure, first gently, then a little harder. Hey, I repeated. No answer. Taking a deep breath and preparing to face the worst, I gripped the figure by the shoulder and rolled it over onto its back. I let out a loud gasp, almost dropping the flashlight before training it on its face. It wasn't a person. It was a store mannequin, one which had had a wig stapled to it to hide the obvious white head. A sense of shock briefly overtook me, and then was replaced by another feeling. Dread. Oh, screw me, I hissed, realizing how stupid I'd been. I just walked directly where someone had wanted me. My eyes flicked up and all around me at the woods, which had suddenly gone eerily silent. As silent as they had been when I'd almost hit whatever I had. I began to get to my feet when my eyes were drawn back towards the mannequin. Something dripped down from beneath the wig onto the dummy's cheek. Something red. Realizing what it was, I suddenly stumbled to my feet. That's not a freaking wig! Oh god, oh god, oh god! fear and dread were now coursing through my veins and i snapped the gun and lied around a little too wildly the silence around me was now deafening and i began to rapidly back up towards my truck that was when i froze the feeling i'd had miles back had returned with a vengeance it washed over me like a tsunami and I again felt like a gazelle being hungrily gazed at by a lion. I forced myself to take another step back, still looking around wildly, then froze again as my beam landed on something, something that was not natural. All the air escaped from my lungs in a ragged gasp. The shape rose up from the forest floor, about 30 or 40 feet in the woods to my left. It was pure black, even blacker than the darkness that surrounded it. I couldn't make out any distinguishing features, but I knew it was there. Something red caught my beam's gaze, along with something white that curved up beneath it. For a single horrific second, I realized what I was seeing. And then I was screaming. Screaming, backpedaling towards my truck and unloading every round in my pistol at it. But they did nothing. It was as if the rounds simply melted through it or were absorbed and didn't harm it at all. It let out a sound... And as panicked as my mind was, the terrifying understanding hit me. It was laughing. And then it was suddenly a blur of motion rushing towards me. It didn't make a sound, more seeming to float over the ground than run on it. The same blur I saw earlier. I turned and dashed for the slightly ajar driver's door, yanking it open and flying inside. I scrambled for the door handle, yanking it shut. Just in time as well. I felt it slam into the side of the truck, hard enough to rock it on its suspension. Jamming down the lock, I dropped the empty gun and light and fumbled with the parking brake. As I snapped it off and sat upright, I risked a glance out the driver's window as I reached for the shifter, and I screamed again, because it was pressed hard up against the side of the truck. I felt an odd sensation, and then a horror filled me as I realized what it was trying to do. It's trying to flip the freaking thing over! The understanding spurred me to move, and I jammed the truck into first gear, my foot slamming down on the gas. I don't think it was prepared for that. I think it must have thought it had paralyzed me enough with fear, able to give it enough time to turn over the scout on its roof, where it could have taken its time to get in at me. It finally did let out a sound as the truck ripped itself out of its grasp, peeling away with a screech of tires. It let out a shriek of rage. The sound chilled my blood with how angry and vicious it sounded, but I refused to let it stop me. I slammed the clutch, wrenching the truck from second to third gear harder than I probably should. All I wanted was to get as far away from... from it as I possibly could. As the accelerator climbed towards 50 miles an hour, I snatched the old flip phone from the passenger seat, opening it and hoping to see any reception bars at all. No! I yelled, seeing exactly zero showing in the top right-hand corner of the screen. Still in the dead zone! Dropping it and slamming the truck into fourth gear, I instead concentrated on keeping myself on the road. My hands gripped the steering wheel hard, and I heard the tires screech in protest as I took a turn too fast. I glanced in the rearview mirror for a moment and felt all the blood drain out of my face. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! I moaned out. The black shape was chasing after me, at what my speedometer now said was over 65, and it was gaining. I stomped my foot to the floor, the engine roaring louder than I ever heard it as it momentarily went airborne on a dip. Still, the shape grew closer, and I saw the same shapes appear on it, the same red and white and it made me scream again. Not taking my eyes off of the road, I reached down and snatched the gun from the floor. Using one hand to steer, I ejected the empty magazine and fumbled the spare from my pocket. The speedometer was approaching 80, and I could now only see the black shape filling the rear view mirror. Slapping the magazine into the gun, I racked the slide and turned to fire again. I knew it was useless. The thing had brushed off ten rounds like it had been nothing, but it was the only thing I knew to do. I felt something ram itself into the truck's tailgate. The rear end slid out a little bit, and I was terrified of going into a spin, letting out a scream of defiance. I spun around in my seat and aimed directly at it. That was when it let out another shriek of rage, louder than the first one. And then it stopped. I didn't realize it at first, turning back for a second to see where I was going. When I turned back, there was nothing behind me. Nothing but the red glow of my taillights. What? What? I quickly looked around, afraid it was moving to try and ram me from the side. But as I looked around, I saw something up ahead, something rapidly approaching, something that made me begin to half laugh, half cry with relief. It was the first set of streetlights marking the end of the forest and the entrance to town. That was two weeks ago. I haven't been able to so much as step outside after dark since. Even though I know that for whatever reason, it couldn't leave the forest, I'm still terrified that it'll find a way to get me. I haven't been back to work since that night. Haven't answered any of Barry or HR's phone calls. Hell, I'm close to quitting and just packing up and moving. Moving somewhere far away from here... Maybe to the city, somewhere which always has bright lights and people and safety. That thing that Damon and Spencer and the others spoke about? It's real. It's real and it's out there. It's smart enough to be able to set up traps to lure people right where it wants them. Which means all the things they spoke about, all the missing people, the campers, the trucker, God, I do not want to even think about what that monster could have done to them. Nor do I want to think about exactly where or who it got that scalp from. I already have nightmares every single time I fall asleep. Nightmares of being back out on that empty road. This time the truck unable to start. Nightmares of hearing it laugh at me again. And nightmares of seeing those red eyes. And that wicked smile, one filled with rows upon rows of razor-sharp teeth. Nobody will ever believe me if I tell them. Hell, I'm pretty sure you won't even believe me, you reading this. I don't really care, but... I need to warn you, warn you of one thing. If you ever find yourself driving a dark and empty road through the woods, do not stop. Do not ever stop for anything. Keep your eyes straight ahead. And if you ever see anything flicking through the trees or across the road, keep going. Because you never know what might be out there, watching you. You never know indeed, dear listener. You know, this story made me feel relaxed in one moment, while I was imagining a nice, easy country road drive in the night. Music on the radio, fresh air in through an open window, time alone to really think and unwind from the day's work. But then, in the next moment, I was feeling quite anxious. All this talk about feeling watched and towering monsters trying to tip over a car. Not to breeze by the fact that this monster was capable of executing a plan. You know we're in big trouble when that starts to happen, even if they are confined to the forests. If you enjoyed this story, please check out the author in the links below. I've done several of his stories on the channel by now, and with any luck, there'll be more to come. Please also leave a like on this video and subscribe for more stories like this one. Whatever you do, listen to the voice in your head telling you that something is watching you. And don't fall asleep.